So we just had Labor Day and, um, you know, whenever there's a holiday, a national holiday, especially, I like to look up the history, make sure, you know, that I, I'm familiar with how this, this, um, holiday got started. What is it celebrating? Uh, so what does Labor Day celebrate? When was it started? Well, it became a holiday in 1898, I think. Um, and, um, they basically signed it into law to celebrate the average laborer, the worker. And that's all I can really tell you right now. (laughs) I linked a really good Peter Schiff history lesson, lesson, uh, video below. And he talks about the history of, of Labor Day. Uh, it's a year old, but it's still relevant. And, um, I've been a fan of, of his for a while, <laughs> almost a decade or about a decade at least. Um, and you can learn a lot from his show on economics, but he also, you know, is very into history. I'd say the constitution and, you know, understanding what these documents and mean, and, uh, he can explain it far better than I can, but, I, I, I started listening to the Peter Schiff show again, but then I, um, but then I backtracked and I, I decided to, um, to listen to something I hadn't listened to before, which was a, a Leonard Peikoff lecture on capitalism, because essentially what Labor Day does is it celebrates the average worker, right? But in contrast to celebrating um, or understanding sort of what capitalism is, because the average worker is thought to represent people that are somehow against capitalism or against the entrepreneur or the business owner, right? They're supposed to be anti-corporation, anti, uh, you know, company, anti-business, even though these are the people, right, that make up this corporation. These are the people that hired them. Um, But these people, as they advocate for more and more worker rights, right? So Labor Day, what is Labor Day? Well, it's a federal holiday, but it started out as, as this government holiday, right? This government holiday that, um, basically gave government only workers the day off. And, um, that's a, that's a huge, like a taxpayer's expense, right? Because taxpayers pay for the salaries of, of government workers. So why should they get a day off? Right. But this, this idea spread to private industry, different, different states. Now, most people who work in private industry have labor day off their companies give them this day off. And, um, it's just, it's a, it's a day to celebrate, I suppose, what's considered manual labor or just, just the worker in general, like not the business owner, but the worker in general. But if we have a day to celebrate the worker in general, why don't we have a day to celebrate the entrepreneur, the person that employs these workers, right? That puts them to work. Uh, well, that's not going to happen in this country, right? But that just shows you the direction 
since the you know early 1900s, the direction that this country has gone, which is these ideas of socialism, these ideas of you know workers' movement, workers' rights, right, um, uh, should be above the uh, or should be should be not. I wanted to say above, but yeah, it is kind of above the business owners' rights. Like the business owners' rights have been destroyed in this country. They're told who to hire. They're told they're discriminating. They're told, you know, what they can and can't do with all these regulations, right? But they, they in fact, are the reason why people, these people have these jobs, why labor even exists. Yes, you could labor for yourself, but most people don't do that. They choose to labor for somebody else that employs them. Now, um, I do want to go back and watch the shift video because he's going to explain probably... Um, I probably I've probably watched it before. He's going to explain how this Labor Day uh, started, right? The the political environment in the early 1900s, and then comparing that to today. But uh, but I do want to since I, I chose to instead watch the Leonard Peikoff video, I'm going to talk about that here. And this is a video clip, a lecture from him speaking in 1980, right? 1980 where he, he, where the country was already in such bad shape, right, where he was noticing that what we have today is a mixed economy, it's not capitalism. But he was talking about how do we get capitalism back, right? Because this was 1980, and I can't remember, I think Reagan, yeah, they talked about Reagan, so he must have been running for president. I guess this was a year that a president was elected because he, because they were talking about Reagan. I know Reagan became president, I think, for eight years. I think he got elected twice in the 80s. Uh, so so Reagan, I guess, was running at this moment against, uh, I don't know who, who was he, he up against. Uh, but Leonard Peikoff was asked, well, do you think Reagan can help restore capitalism? And, you know, he basically said, well, he doesn't have much confidence in Reagan because Reagan, they say he wants capitalism, but he really, um, even if he does, he's going to be handicapped, right? Because he doesn't have a good philosophy for why capitalism, um, uh, needs to, needs to exist or, or, you know, what, what would capitalism require? It's not just that he didn't have a good philosophy, right? For, for, uh, for understanding why capitalism is the best system and implementing that, but the country itself didn't have the right philosophy either. And in this lecture, Leonard Peikoff really explains how how philosophy shapes your political um, positions, right? Either unconsciously or consciously. It's capitalism that determines. Sorry, it's, it's philosophy that really determines whether you. Uh, are a fan of capitalism or a fan of socialism, right? Or if you're a statist or a free, you know, a limited government type person, it's really based off the ideas that you hold. It's the philosophy, it's the foundational ideas that you accept. And currently, and as in the past, um, this country, the the intellectual leadership in this country, right? The, the, the legal academic institution, which is the colleges and universities, have been overrun and taken over by lefty liberals who no longer teach capitalism or, or that it's good, but teach that it's bad and teach that statism is good and altruism is good, right? That you should self-sacrifice yourself to others, which always leads to 
some kind of statism and big government. And he basically said, until we change that, until the ideas in this country are changed, right, by, by the majority of people or the intellectual leaders or the people that go to college and end up in powerful positions in this country, until the philosophy is changed, then we're doomed in this country. We're really, we really are doomed. And it hasn't, so what is it, what, what has gone on from the 1980s? Well, the left still controls the universities, has a tighter grip on what is taught there. Uh, it's, it's highly lefty. They're producing, you know, leftists nonstop out of these universities. Um, it hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. They're, they're canceling people, right, that say things that they don't like. They're not open to ideas. They have a, a message. They're, they're spewing propaganda. They're spewing one-sided uh, um, ideas, right? They're not letting other ideas in there. This is an institution. This is not an institution of learning. It's a propaganda center, right? Um, and unfortunately, the ideas that people believe are what determine their politics. And he did, he did notice that you can kind of see the country divided into two, right? People who are college educated tend to have the wrong ideas or have the ideas that, that deny capitalism, that don't think capitalism is good, that don't think that, that limited government is good, right? They're not really for freedom. They're for big government, statism, uh, handouts, right? Um, altruism, identity politics, you name it. Uh, and the people that don't go to college, there's still people that don't go to college. These people haven't been brainwashed, right? These people might not be educated in the sense that they went to college and got some fancy degree in some kind of, you know, engineering or business, right? Which most people would say these the college students aren't even learning what they're dead, you know, what supposedly is on their degree, right? But they're but but if they are learning engineering, but they're also learning these lefty ideas of anti-capitalism, right? Of of socialism, um, etc. And at the heart of what a Leonard Peikoff says capitalism requires, and before I get into that real quick, um, he, he, he says that uh, the wealth in this country is not really created by manual labors, at least since the Industrial Revolution. Since the Industrial Revolution, the wealth in this country has been cre created by people, the in intellectuals, people with ideas, people with the freedom to act on these ideas, to provide our nation, right? To provide our nation with things that they want, right? With things that satisfy basic human needs and desires. And that's how you get rich. That's how you become wealthy. Um, that the, the, the average laborer, right? Uh, yes, he, he was producing for himself as long as he's, you know, self-employed or, you know, was a, was a laborer on his own farm or something. Sure. But that's, not what we've had since the Industrial Revolution. And since the Industrial Revolution, that's where all the wealth has been created, right? Since we industrialized, right? Um, so the wealth that's been created hasn't, be, hasn't been from the, the average manual laborer, right? From the, from the person that's employed. It's been from the, from the ingenuity of the people that employ them, right? That create these businesses, that, that have created um, industry, but, okay, so the three things that are required for capitalism are your 
uh, reason, right? Reason ability to think, right? Uh, to use logic, right? To, to be able to know things. The second, the second thing is reality to focus on this world, to realize that, that this is our world that we live in, right? Not to be in some fantasy world or believe that there's a, there's an afterlife or at least not to focus on the afterlife, uh, but to focus on reality, what things are, what things, what, what things, um, in this world are right. And then the other thing is selfishness, right? As opposed to altruism, selfishness is the ability to, to, to live for yourself, to act on your own, uh, uh, instinct, right? As long as you don't hurt other people, right? But to to do things to to satisfy your own goals, survivals, and and happiness and needs, not to live for others. To live for others is slavery. This is the this is the idea of altruism, and this is the worst idea that we have now. Not believing in reality, I think, is a big one too. This is where you get people saying that a woman is not a woman. These are the people that don't live in reality, right? The saying that we can ignore crime levels, that there's no difference in IQ or, or crime, again, you know, across different populations, right, on average. These are the people that don't live in reality, right? Um, now, the, and then um, reason, the ability to know things. These are the people that are, um, the people that reject this are the people that say, we can't know anything out there, right? Modern, modernist, postmodernist people who don't believe in reason or logic, right? Who don't think that we can know anything. That, so that, all of the things that are required for capitalism, reason, reality, and selfishness, basically we don't have any of those right now. Right now we have the opposite of that. Right. So that's why capitalism is dying.